Welcome to the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. I'm Bill Yates, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, and today we will be discussing the article, Breathing Above the Brain Stem, Volitional Control and Attentional Modulation in Humans. This article was chosen for November's APS Select, a collection of the very best original research published by the American Physiological Society. Before we begin, let's meet our guests. Hi, I'm Jose Herrero. I'm at the Department of Neurosurgery at Northwell and the Feinstein Institute for Medical Research in New York. I'm a research associate trained as a neurophysiologist specialized in cognitive neuroscience, mind-body practices. The department where I work is directed by Dr. Ases Mekta, who is here next to me and who I'd like to thank for supporting the research that we are going to talk about today. Hi, I'm uh, Dr. Ashesh Mehta. I serve as both Director of Epilepsy Surgery at Northwell Health, as well as Director of the Laboratory of Human Brain Mapping at the Feinstein Institute of Medical Research. Thank you very much. Please give us a background on the neurophysiology of respiration. So the traditional view on respiration is that the brain stem is controlling all aspects of respiration. Because respiration occurs automatically, I do not need to think about it. Brain areas above the brain stem will not need to be engaged. However, electrophysiologists have been wondering for decades whether the neuronal activities they record in these brain areas above the brain stem are affected by respiration. This suspicion has only been formally tested very recently, and the results from the mouse model show compelling evidence that multiple brain areas above the brain stem, including the olfactory and somatosensory cortices, the hippocampus and the medial prefrontal cortex, oscillate together with the respiratory cycle. So, yeah, as Jose described, breathing is something that we do have both control over as well as something that happens automatically. And it's quite apparent how we can control our breath, either we can choose to hold it or not, uh, or how deep we decide to inhale. But if we decide to let go of that conscious control, there's an automatic process that kicks in. And thus far, most of research involving the respiratory process has focused more on the automatic aspect of this physiology. Why is the conscious control of breathing difficult to investigate? To better understand respiration rhythms and their details, we currently need invasive recordings. So we use mice and other animals because we can implant electrodes on their brains and measure local neuronal activities. However, we cannot ask a mouse to breathe slower or faster for us, or to become a meditation expert and pay close attention to the breathing. Thus, studies in animals have only examined natural, spontaneous, automatic breathing. However, the neuronal mechanisms underlying the cognitive aspects of breathing, like the control of breathing and the awareness of the breathing sensations, may be different from those of automatic breathing and can only be studied in humans. Tell us about the techniques you use to investigate the conscious control and awareness of breathing. So as an epilepsy surgeon, often it becomes necessary to investigate where seizures are beginning in a particular patient who has focal epilepsy by implanting electrodes into the brain directly to record from these structures. This is typically done for one to two weeks while patients remain in the hospital and they kind of sit around waiting to have a seizure so that we can record what parts of the brain the seizure begins in. However, there's a lot of coverage of a lot of structures that often don't initiate the seizures. And also, with those electrodes in the brain, this gives us a unique window into examining human neurophysiology while patients are awake, and we can actually have them do simple tasks. Often, this involves our investigations into how the brain performs information processing and things of that sort. But we thought we would also look into this sort of conscious control of respiration. 
So uh, Dr. Herrera designed this experiment to examine this. So in the first set of experiments that Dr. Meta was just describing, we measured this intracranial EG simultaneously with the spontaneous automatic breathing, similar task as it was done before in the mice. But in the second set of experiments, we ask our patients to volitionally control their breathing by breathing slightly faster than usual. And in the third set of experiments, we ask them to direct their attention to their sensations arising from the breathing. So the flow of air through their nose into their belly. So it's very difficult to know whether they are paying attention to their breathing or not. So we adapted a task from meditation practice that basically asked them to count silently their breaths and then tell us how many breaths they took. So accurate reports are suggestive of good interoceptive attention to their breathing. What were your findings? So we would summarize a few things. When we breathe naturally, our brains tend to pulsate. And that mechanical pulsation may be the cause of a lot of artifacts. So we spent quite a bit of time trying to distinguish whether or not anything that we were seeing in the field potential was in fact an artifact from this mechanical pulsation of the brain due to the breath cycle. So the first set of findings sort of involved distinguishing a neural source of these LFP oscillations versus some sort of artifactual source. The second set of findings involved determining how widespread these oscillations were. I should say the main finding here is obviously that there's an oscillation that follows the breath cycle. So again, the second set of findings was to determine how widespread these oscillations were. And then the third set of findings had to do with the conscious control and attentional modulation of this field potential response and tracking of the breath cycle. So to distinguish from mechanical artifact, we took advantage of the fact that often our electrodes not only sample the gray matter, but they also sample the white matter and cerebrospinal fluid spaces. So if these oscillations that we see were due to artifact, one would see them potentially throughout all three spaces, and perhaps even more strongly in these cerebrospinal fluid spaces where the fluid would be much more sensitive to pressure changes. We did not, in fact, see that. In fact, what we saw was that the oscillations that tracked the breathing cycle were predominantly in the gray matter. Furthermore, we looked at how the gamma band response, which is considered to be neural activity, follows the low-frequency oscillations related to breathing. This, too, should not happen in multiple compartments. And if it was due to artifact, you would not see it necessarily only in the gray matter. And in fact, we only saw this in a subset of the gray matter site. So these were two important findings that led us to believe that we were looking at a true brain neuronal oscillation, not some sort of noise. Then when we extended our findings and looked through the different structures that we sample, which often include diverse structures, including the amygdala, hippocampus, cingulum, sensory motor cortices, and the insula, we found that this was quite widespread throughout the brain. So that was also a fairly novel finding, that these oscillations could be seen in really widespread gray matter areas. And then finally, we looked at the effect of attention and control. I'll let Dr. Herrero describe that. So after we show that these oscillations are authentic neuronal oscillations and not artifacts, now the question is, are these respiration couple oscillations modulated by cognitive state? So the previous studies in the mice were all in automatic breathing. So we do not know whether cognitive state can modulate respiration couple oscillations. So we ask our patients to volitionally control their breathing pace by breathing slightly faster than usual. And what we found is that the areas in the premotor and orbitofrontal cortices, as well as the insula, increase their neural synchrony to the breath. In a different set of experiments, when patients directed their focus to the physical sensations arising from the breathing itself, 
areas that did not show synchrony during automatic breathing start to show a strong synchrony during attentive breathing. One structure that came out was the anterior cingulate cortex, which previous fMRI studies have shown to be involved in interoceptive attention. What are the implications and next steps of this work? Well, the implication is that we know that neuronal oscillations seem to be a method by which the brain engages in long-range interactions and may be the substrate thereof. And so in that sense, the neuronal oscillation related to breathing seems to be a very large one. Number one, it has a very high amount of power, but it is in a position to really gate a lot of other types of oscillations that are occurring in the brain. And the fact that we're seeing it widespread throughout the brain indicates that the influence could actually exert over quite a bunch of different brain structures. The next steps really sort of form two categories. One is investigating this physiology further. And in that, we are very much interested in looking at whether these oscillations are simply tracking the breath or are they actually leading the breath? Or in some structures, are they following and in other structures, are they leading? So that's one very important set of questions to answer. Another set of questions to answer is that while we see this occurring with fast breathing, we're actually very much interested in what happens when we slow down our breathing. There, Are we dealing with an inhibition of these structures or are we dealing with a situation where our separate circuit gets engaged? Another set of next steps and implications involve applying this to some sort of translational medicine. Breathing practice has been used for a long time to deal with a lot of conditions. And two that we are actively investigating are pain in that attention to the breath and interoception to the breath may be a method by which the organism sort of changes its focus of attention from something that's painful to something that may not be as painful, that is focusing on the breathing. And the second question, of course, is that breathing and stopping of breathing is a big problem in epilepsy, something that can lead to sudden death. So we're exploring the cortical mechanisms by which this sort of breathing arrest may occur in order to figure out strategies towards avoiding sudden death from epilepsy, which happens in up to 1% of the population of patients who have severe intractable epilepsy. And that's 1% per year, that is. So it's actually a fairly high risk over their lifetime. Just to add up on what Dr. Meta says, is our finding that the breathing exercises that we use can strongly modulate the respiration rhythms. And we are starting to think on breathing as an instrumental tool to modulate neuronal oscillations in addition to or a substitute for brain stimulation. I'd like to thank our guests for participating in a discussion of the article, Breathing Above the Brainstem, Volitional Control and Attentional Modulation in Humans, part of the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. 